So last week, Tyler, the Surgeon General, mm-hmm. came out with a report, a 53-page report, called or titled Protecting Youth Mental Health. Mm-hmm. And our Surgeon General's name is Viv- Vivek Murthy, which there's a 0% chance I pronounced that right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he came out with a 53-page report, um, all centered around protecting our youth mental health. So, you know, a lot has been talked about since the pandemic began, uh, and rightfully so. A lot has been talked about the physical toll that it's taken, yep. right? I think close to 750 to a million Americans are, have, have died from COVID, and then obviously a lot more around the world. So the physical toll that the, that the virus has taken uh, has been well documented. What has not been talked about quite as much in most circles, is the ancillary effects that the virus has caused, the the mental stress that it's created, the economic stress, the, you know, all of the ripple effects that are caused when you literally shut down the economy worldwide for weeks and months at a time, and even going on years in some parts, right? There's still places that are on lockdown and, and things like that. And so what it's done, and it's easy to get caught up in your own world and what you're doing, um, but what it's done is it's it's really caused issues, especially with our youth. Yeah. You know, school's been much different. Online learning in some places still to this day. Uh, masking all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, constantly on social media more than ever mm-hmm. uh, due to the pandemic and looking out and just the, just the stress that that's caused for our kids. And it got us thinking um, about what does our future look like? And not just the pandemic and, and what it's caused and what it will continue to cause, but just in general and the direction we were headed anyway mm-hmm. before this that, that accelerated. But what does America's future look like specifically as these kids continue to grow up, the environment that they're growing up in mm-hmm. is completely different even than you and I. And we're not that much older yep. than, you know, we're both in our mid-30s. And it's just a completely different environment that these kids are growing up to. So it got us thinking – just about our future and what it looks like. And, and so what we wanted to do, and we get that life is super busy, and more than likely you haven't been able to read all 53 pages mm-hmm. of this report. So we did the hard work for you. We decided yep. to go through and pour through and, yep. and pick out, you know, the, the most important pieces that we thought, the things that stood out to us. Yeah. So, so listeners, and just, just to clarify, um, yes, if you were thinking it, we are going to read you all 53 pages word for word. So buckle up. Uh, let's have some fun with this. <laughs> uh, no, but, but, uh, you know, the, we're going to use this as, as kind of a springboard to talk about a, I think a larger, a larger topic, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be, and this is going to be a two part episode, just so, so you're aware, we're not going to be able to cover all of this in, in one, but is, yes, what are we doing with our youth? How are we addressing uh, some of the things that we're seeing with our youth? And, and this isn't, this isn't a, Hey, like, you know, we're the older generation and our youth is going to screw it up and they're terrible. And that's not what this is. Um, it's, it's more of an accountability aspect. And what you, and what you mentioned, Ben was, you know, starting off this episode is okay. Hey, there's, there's physical, like, Hey, we've got the data on how many people are getting sick from the pandemic, how many people have, have died. And again, there's the conspiracy theory of, you know, how they're actually recording it, what's accurate, all these things. We're not going there. Um, but, and then you mentioned that, Hey, one of the things that's not being talked about, um, and I, 
and I would probably disagree with that. It's not being talked about as much. It's being talked about, but it's being, I feel like it's being received through a lens of, hey, if you're talking about these ancillary benefit, not benefits, ancillary issues that are coming from the pandemic, you must be from the right. Mm -hmm. Right. And only the right's talking about all these other things to prove your point that this is an over exaggerated pandemic that has caused more input. That's not what, what this is today. So let's clarify that we're not trying to pour on to how things should be handled differently that, Hey, you're not addressing, um, the mental health side. You're not addressing the physical, um, the physical well-being, you know, you're not addressing the fact that heart disease still kills more people. All these things, that's not what we're doing today. We are, we are addressing some of the things written in the Surgeon General's article about, okay, mental health issues in the youth that are directly correlated to the pandemic, but we are going to take that and use it as a springboard to just talk, and I talk about it on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. So parents out there, Listen, I I mean, I I hope that you'll be encouraged through this. I hope that you'll learn a few things through this. Um, And I hope, honestly, I hope that you disagree with some of these things. And and if you do, we'd love to interact and just give our thoughts. These are are from our perspective. Uh, It's the right perspective, obviously, but these are just our perspective. Yeah, and what the what he did was he like I said it's fifty three pages, and he what he did was he started with the problem. He he very clearly outlined what the issue is, and then what he did is he went in and he broke it up into different segments, and he said, okay, here's the problem. Now, what can society do about it? Mm -hmm. What can youth or young people do about it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Another section was what can parents, caregivers do about it, Um, and then what can the media, entertainment do about it, and then. Uh, and then what can social media and tech companies yeah. do about it? And then he wraps it all up with a conclusion. So that's what we wanted to dive into yeah. today. Um, and, and, you know, this is one of those things in the last two years have, have brought forward, and it, like I said, have accelerated this issue. But even before this pandemic, the things were trending this way anyway. Correct. And in fact, what he says, here's a line from, from the report. It says, even before the COVID-19 pandemic, Mental health, mental health challenges were the leading cause of disability and poor life outcomes in young people, with up to one in five children ages 3 to 17 in the U.S. with a reported mental, emotional, developmental, or behavioral disorder. In 2016, of the 7.7 million children with treatable mental health disorder, about half did not receive adequate treatment. So clearly this has been an issue all along the pandemic has just highlighted it and has brought a little yeah. bit more to, for, to, to, to light than, than maybe before it's made, maybe made us a little bit more yeah. aware. And I think, I think this article would speak to maybe it's a little bit of fuel on the already burning fire. Right. Right. And it says, unfortunately in recent years, national surveys of youth have shown major increases in certain mental health symptoms, including depressive symptoms and suicidal ideation from 2009 to 2019. The proportion of high school students reporting persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness increased by 40%. The share seriously considering attempting suicide increased by 36%. And the share creating a suicidal plan increased by 44%. So 44% increase. Increase so, in the, from 2009 so to 2019. If 10 kids in 2009... We're thinking about 
they were planning out some sort of suicide. That means 4.4 kids, 10 years later, relative. So, I mean, that's almost a 50%, right? Four and a half kids more are planning out suicide. Yeah, it says between 2007 and 2018, suicide rates among youth ages 10 to 24 in the U.S. increased by 57%. And it says early estimates from the National Center of Health Statistics suggest there were tragically more than 6,600 deaths by suicide among 10 to 24 age group in 2020. Just in 2020. Just in 2020, 6,600 deaths by suicide. It's interesting that that's not a number we've heard in the media. That's not something that we're, that's, that's been passed around. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that to come from the Surgeon General. Yeah. Right. This is an article written by him highlighting that. Yeah. By the way, the pandemic itself, coronavirus, has killed, I think there's 72 million children ages 18 or younger. Mm-hmm. It's killed, uh, I need to check the number again. In the it's, U.S. It's like in the U.S. it's 12, I believe. Yeah. Oh. 12, 12 people, and we have deaths by suicide increased 6,600 in 2020. So, again, not uh, you, it sounds trivial to compare, and, but the point is this is an issue. It's an this issue. is a massive a issue. Real, and, real and, issue. again, it's something that's been brewing for a while, and it just came, it's coming to a head because of the, you know, the pandemic. It says socially economic disadvantaged children and adolescents, for instance, those growing up in poverty – are two to three times more likely to develop mental health conditions than peers with higher socioeconomic status. So kids growing up in the inner city, kids growing up with less than, are more likely to have some sort of mental health. And it makes all the sense in the world, right? You're growing up in an unstable environment. You're growing up, you know, who knows what the family dynamic is like. Um, So it does make sense that that would would increase your chances. Uh, And and then it says, and again, we we don't want to just spend our whole time talking about the problem. We want to focus more on, what we can do about this problem, but we do want to set the stage. Yeah. And we'll wrap it up with this. In early 2021, emergency department visits in the United States for suspe- suspected suicide attempts were 51% higher for adolescent girls and 4% higher for adolescent boys compared to the same time during the, to the same time period in early 2019. Let me reread that again because I kind of stumbled over it. Words in are hard, early, <laughs> In early 2021... Emergency department visits in the United States for suspected suicide attempts were 51% higher for adolescent girls and 4% higher for adolescent boys compared to the same time period in early 2019. So what does that say that female adolescent girls, a 51% increase for girls, but only a 4% for boys? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It says, you know, the, the follow-up statement to that is, moreover, pandemic-related measures reduced in-person interactions among children, friends, social supports, and professionals such as teachers, school counselors, pediatricians, and child welfare, welfare workers. This made it harder to recognize signs of child abuse, mental health concerns, and other challenges. Yeah, so, so one thing that I'll, I'll just be honest about this article, because there's a lot of really, really good things, um, is I think... What I feel from it, and this is just me being critical here, is what I feel from it is there's a little bit of media-ish delivery in this. Oh, for sure. There's definitely a bias. Here's the deal. Like, and and I'm going to go back to something you read earlier. It was two to three times higher. Okay, that's a big difference. Like, 
two to three times higher. So it was either, it was either, you know, 33% higher or it was 66% higher. Yeah. Well, what is it? Mm -hmm. Like those are, those are like big number differences. Right. Um, And then, and then they're just, they're saying, well, it was because, and yes, like it's true. It made it harder to recognize signs of child abuse uh, and mental health concerns. Like, yes, that's true. But like, is that what, is that what correlated to adolescent female suicide attempts? I mean, I don't know. I think that there's a much bigger problem then, yes, it is, is child abuse at home, it's terrible, 100%. I mean, any, any adult that can abuse a child, uh, I, I mean, it's evil. Mm-hmm. It is, right? I don't, I don't know. I was trying to think of a nicer word. I'm not trying to be nice. But is it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of vagueness mm-hmm. in this, right? There's, there's a lot of like, okay, hey, I'm going to point this out, point this out, point this out, point this out. Like, you know, when people throw out stats, like 99% of these people do this, like what stat is that? Yeah. You know what? I would love to see the Surgeon General dig a little bit more in because I feel like these are just the easy answers. Like, yeah, he talks about social media and la- lack of connection. Like those, everybody knows that stuff. Like, but now the Surgeon General saying it, now it's... Now it's the truth. It's like, we've been talking about this for two years. Like, this isn't a surprise to anybody. Yeah. But I would love to see a little bit more stats. And that's just my, my criticism over this. And I'm not saying that this is not a, not a um, you know, a, a valid article. But I would love to see a little bit more depth and a little bit more research put into it. Because there are some legitimate things going on and trends going uh, from a parenting perspective, from an adolescent perspective, from a media perspective, that I think are a much bigger contributor to these suicide attempts, to the planning, to the mental health. And I I don't know, man. I I feel like this was something that he... Well, and that's what the the point he was making was... There's clear this issue that's been exasperated yeah. by social media, yeah. by the news, by our current situation. Yeah. And what 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 do we now need to do about it? So you're yeah. talking about there's more. What what are yeah, some things man, that come like, to mind for you that are yeah? That there's are there's a this? lot going on, right? Because because it, it, it is weird that it starts in 2009. Remember what happened in 2009? Right. Following the, following Instagram the, was was not in 2009, but the, well, 2009 was was the depression, right? So we were coming out of the housing yeah. crisis, right? right? Like that was a, that was a recession. So, okay, hey, we're going to, we're going to take numbers from right after one of the largest recessions our country's ever seen, you know, after the great depression. Mm-hmm. And then, and then now we're going to also compare it to the pandemic, right? Like that's the window. Now, granted we, as a country, like have thrived, you know, as you relate it to, as you relate it to our gross GDP, as you relate it to, unemployment as you, I mean, it's been a great time for our country, no doubt, but yeah, those are, those are the bookends, right? Is you've got a recession yeah, and you've a got kid, a pandemic. Yeah. To me as a kid though, I was clueless to any you were, sort you of, were, but here, but here's the difference though, is, is your parents felt it. Yeah. And their interactions That's with true. you, you may not see it directly, but you are 100% feeling the effects of it. Yeah. Now, we were in college, right? I right. did not feel it. Like, my $642 scholarship check didn't change <laughs> because of the recession, right? Right, right? Like, it was what it was, right? But, but kids, that adolescent, that 3 to 17 that you mentioned, or that 10 to 18 ain't age like anybody that's living in the home with their parents and if their parents are being affected by it they're going to feel it regardless Mm -hmm. and so and so yeah and to your point though 2009 
you know, I think Instagram was Instagram really took off like 12, 12 or 13, yeah. right? Yeah. Twitter was a little bit before that, Facebook being before yeah. that. But yeah, the Facebook era, 2009 yeah. is when it started. And so I, I what, yes, what do I think, to answer your question, what do I think some of the contributing factors are? I think there's multiple. Um, I think the overriding theme of this is just one word is lazy. And here's what I mean by that is it's lazy from it's lazy from a parent's perspective when it comes about intentionality to the family and serving the family um and i and i'm calling out dads right now cuz i'm going to speak to just dads i think we have been lazy because uh we've been tricked into thinking that we've got to chase something that is fleeting we've been tricked to chasing what success really looks like um, we've been tricked into what a real man is supposed to look like. All of these, all of these things that are couldn't be further from the truth. And again, whoever's truth it is, whatever. But um, I think I think lazy from parents. I think it's lazy from uh, our government. I think our government is just doing the easy thing. We've got we've got a political system that uh, politicians are life. That's a career. Um, that they're making, they're making money outside of just their position, and they're making money because of their position, but they're not actually doing anything in their position. They're, it's on both sides of the aisle, and I'm not saying, but I think from a government, we've gotten really lazy, and it's just we're not doing anything as a country to innovate and to really truly help people. We're putting Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid. We're literally like, I was I was talking with someone the other day, and they used it as an example like this: like if you're in a river, and there's pollution coming down the river, logically, wouldn't you think that it doesn't make any sense? Oh, okay, where I'm at right now, I'm gonna pour uh, I'm gonna pour some uh, some cleaning solution right in front of me right here. No. Logically, we're going to go upriver and figure out what the source of that problem is. Why would I? Why would I just keep wasting my time cleaning out the pollution at the spot right in front of me? And that's what we're doing as a government. And and I think we can do so much more with the resources that we have as a country to empower the people to really inspire change and to and to better ourselves across the board. And that's a whole other conversation, right? Okay, so government, I think, is lazy. I think our healthcare system is extremely lazy. It is it is a system that is broken. It is a system that is is dictated by insurance and pharmaceutical companies. And you talked about in the in the article, we talk about the the amount of uh the amount of diagnosis to ADHD, the amount of medication su- subscribed. And so the problem is, and here's a problem with healthcare. The problem is doctors are lazy because they have to be. Doctors are doing the easy thing because all it is, is because their margins as a doctor, like the days of doctors making millions of dollars are gone. Like their margins are squeezed, squeezed so much because insurance companies won't pay out and they're negotiating it all the way down, but then they're charging the patient's insane amounts for health insurance, but then taking it away from the doctors. So then the doctors then have to, okay, I've got to prescribe this. I've got to do this. I've got to add as many of these codes in as I can and codes, right? It's whatever you're prescribing, whatever you're claiming for insurance, it's based off of a code. So I'm going to do, okay, 
He comes in and he says he's got a headache. All right, it's going to be this. And so I'm going to prescribe this, this, and this. I'm going to do the least amount of work possible and just prescribe it with medicine. And I'm going to put a Band-Aid on it. I'm going to scoop out the water right in front of me. I'm going to clean what's up in front of me. And I'm not going to deal with the real issue because it's too expensive and it takes too much time. And our healthcare system is broken. So I think that we're misdiagnosing. We're not spending time. I mean, you think about counseling and, 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 and mental health and how many insurances don't cover that. They don't cover like wellness care. They cover, the only thing that they cover is sick care. Is if you're broken, okay, we're going to give you a pill. We're going to put a Band-Aid on it and send you on your way. And we're doing that because we know you're going to have to come back. Right. And you have to do it again. You have to do it again. You have to do it again. And that's how the doctors and the, and the healthcare systems make money. And insurance is just like, whatever, we're just going to keep increasing premiums. So I think we're lazy there. Media, extremely lazy. Nobody wants to go do the work. Nobody wants to actually fact check. Nobody wants to actually go out there and do the responsible thing and deliver news in an unbiased way with the actual facts. They just want to throw crap on the wall and see what sticks and then move on to the next thing. So now we're getting all this negative, false, made up, influenced news, and we're creating all these opinions because our media is lazy, and again, all they're trying to do is shock value because they need views and they need eyes so that they can get they can get sponsors and they can get deals. So across the board, it's lazy. It is absolutely lazy because we talk about this all the time. Why? We want, we want everything and we put in nothing. We're lazy. Nobody wants to be uncomfortable. Everybody wants to chase this dream. Everybody wants this, this made-up this made up uh, vision of what success really looks like for doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what it is. And, and I know we're focused on kids, but it, it, it's a trickle down effect, right? It goes from government to healthcare and media to parenting, right? And it goes in those levels and parenting, like we've got to be better. Yeah. We've got to be better because the trajectory that we are going, that our kids are going now are our kids smarter and and more capable absolutely like no doubt like there are things that the millennial generation is going to accomplish that we never ever thought possible but what i'm worried about is i'm worried about that five-year-old i'm worried about siana and rocco right now Mm -hmm. i'm worried about what it's going to look like for them yeah because and i'm going to do my damnedest to make sure that that they are raised in a way that they're self-sufficient they're motivated they are determined, they are tough, they are caring, they are not lazy, mm-hmm. right? And and so that they can go and they can make an impact. I'm excited for them because there's gonna be a ton of opportunity because there's a bunch of a bunch of lazy ass kids out there yeah. that their parents didn't pour in the time and effort with mm-hmm. them. But it's man, it's 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 really, really scary. And I know we're going to talk more about this, and I know I'm going to get off my soapbox here, but I just yeah, the you, problem. I, I didn't overall, have to. I didn't have to say much for you to get going on that one. Woo, you just <laughs> set me off. I think, I mean, this this overall picture in this article, right? It talks about the mental health challenges, and it talks about the impact that the pandemic has had. But again, it alludes and it leaves it open to say, okay, hey, this was pre-pandemic. These are issues that have been boiling for a yeah. long time, and I would say have been boiling for 20 years. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think, yeah, so I think we've <laughs> laid out what the problem is, yeah. right? We've done a good job of, of establishing what the problem is, but I'm more interested in what can we do yeah. about it. And we're going to spend a lot of time next week, next week's episode, talking about media and social yeah. media and, and all that effect. Yeah. But what I want to spend time today on is, is three different areas. What can society in general do about this? What can parents do about this? And then what can the young person themselves do about this? Because, again, the problem is the youth – and their mental health. And yeah. that's what I'm worried about as a parent right now, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Yeah. How am I going to raise my kids in an environment when all this stuff's going on, when they're exposed to way more things than I was as a kid, when they've got connectivity yeah. way more than I ever did as a kid? Yeah. How am I going to raise them in a way, and that's probably what the listener's thinking as well, how am I going to raise my kids in a way yeah. that they are not bulletproof, right? Because that's that's impossible. Right. But how are, they, how are we going to navigate the next, 18, 20, 25 years until yeah. they're able to, you know, because this is the most susceptible time for them, right? Their brain is literally still forming uh-huh. during these years. Yeah. And so how much exposure am I going to, you know, how much am I going to expose them to as they're growing up? Yeah. And how can we as a society get a hold of this? We know that there's a problem now, yeah. right? We're all aware of it now. Yeah. Maybe we weren't before, but we are now. So what, what, the pand- so what pandemic do has it? done, right, is it has brought light on our deficiencies yeah. as a country. Yeah, exactly. So a couple of things he lists out. So, so he talks about what society can do about it. Number, number one thing he says is recognize that mental health is an essential part of overall health. I don't know about you. Mental health was never once discussed for me growing up. I never once, no. No. once ever heard anything about mental health. No. Or mental performance. I think about even in sports, if I would just know to narrow it down, the mental side of sports was never talked about, ever. No. And I don't know if it's just a, where I grew up or if it's a lack of knowledge, but mental health was never something that we discussed. Well, and even so, and even in sports, when I was with the Cowboys, we had a mental health coach. Like, we had a mental coach. He worked with us and the Yankees, and we've had we've had mental coaches on, on the show in the past. And I, it was so much that I we didn't talk about it that I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, why would I, what does that have to do with yeah. me going and banging my head against somebody? Like, no thanks. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. And I look back now kind of knowing what I am and like actually having matured since then is like, dang, I wish I would have taken advantage of that. Yeah. I wonder what that could have done for me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. It just was never talked about yeah. it. It's a much more accepted mm-hmm. now. Drew Robinson talked about this, how it's, it's something that we support. And it's, there still is a stigma, right? You don't want to admit mm. that you're having these issues, right? It's a tough man mentality, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and another thing they talk about is support the mental health of children and youth in educational community and child care settings. That one was interesting to me and oh. stuck out to me uh, because of what we're exactly what we're saying right now. In oh. every scenario that they're in, think about school. Mental health is never brought up in school. Oh. Like it's just not talked about. It wasn't. I think it's. I think it's more regular now. Is um, it? Is it regular in like Gia's yeah, school? I mean, yeah. are they talking about uh-huh. mental health. Yeah. So like grade? they've got a school counselor. Like if you went to the school counselor, like you were broken when we yeah. were growing up, right? right? Whereas now, like, and just an, an example, and I, and I got to be very careful how I, how I say this. Is there's uh, there's a student at, at my kid's school that um, that has been fainting, right? Um, and it's, and it's kind of traumatic to the other kids and just a number of the kids are actually going and talking to the counselor because it's affected them and they see it and it's super scary. And there was one time the student was taken away in an ambulance cause they, they didn't know what was going on. Right. And so they've actually been, the kids are encouraged to go do that at the school. So I think it's, I think it's in place now more and you and you know, your wife teaches, 
Um, I mean, that'd be a good question for her is, is understanding, okay, hey, what is it? And we're still in a probably, even in Dallas, you know, being more of a forward thinking type of market mm-hmm. in Texas. But overall, Texas is, is a little bit older school than some of these other new age. I mean, thank God in, in, in a lot of cases. But, um, but I do think in where we live, I do think that there's enough being addressed. And, and here's why is because it's been a problem. Mm-hmm. It's been a major, major problem the last five years where you and I live because things have been so good. Mm-hmm. Things have, have, and it's this like the best place to live in the country, Frisco, Texas, five years in a row, best place to live, fastest growing city, all these things. Well, right, what, what gets hidden in the headlines is the amount of high school suicides that are going on in this market. Mm-hmm. Right? Parents are doing really well monetarily, but how are they doing in the home? And that's where the mental health aspect I agree with you as being swept under, but now the districts, the schools are forced. Mm-hmm. To, okay, this is something that we've got to address. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he lists off quite a few things that society can do about it, but the genesis or the, the main thesis is that we continue down the path that we are, which is we're talking more about it. We're putting more resources, more time, more money into yeah. this, which I think is a good thing. Because, yeah, again, I agree. when we were kids, it wasn't really talked about much. It's definitely being talked about yeah. more. So as a society – Let's continue in that direction. Yeah. Let's continue to pour more resources yeah. into this. I agree because, look, I'm on, I'm on the train of like, hey, listen, you've got to create toughness. You've got to create resilience. But I'm also just as much on the train of, hey, we've got to be transparent. We've got to talk about things when we're struggling. We've got we've to be open to help. And I think as a society, it, it's being talked about more by celebrities. Brandon Marshall was one of the first athletes to really yeah. bring it up mm-hmm. in, you know, in the NFL and mainstream sports. Um, you know, he had a foundation, has a foundation that really addresses mental health. Um, and so I think for me, at least, right, it's been on my radar since 2011 when I met Brandon and it was like, okay, I, I get, I, I see it now. And so it's become more and more normalized. We're not there yet because I think people are still hiding and there's still a shame associated with it. Yeah. That people are like, I can't talk about my anxiety. I can't talk about my depression, which is going to lead to these other thoughts, right? That lead to thoughts of suicide, that lead to, to destructive behavior, that lead to isolation, that just compound, right? Yeah. And then the more it goes unaddressed and is not talked about, right? Now that becomes generational mm-hmm. and that's yeah. an issue. Yeah, it just needs to become more accepted. Yeah society-wide right yeah. it, it, it needs the the stigma needs to be taken away and, and, and people like brandon marshall drew yeah. robinson yeah they're they're doing a great job yeah. of heading that up yeah then he does then this then this uh surgeon journal goes into a Just section sg yeah sg uh goes into section which i'm really proud to see because we're in such a culture of past the blame mm-hmm. those the responsibility is on everybody else but me and what i love is he goes into a section he says what can young people do about it yeah and i'm going to be honest with you when I first think about this, I keep thinking, well, it's social media's fault, it's parents' fault, it's government's fault, it's society's fault. I kind of forget a little bit that, hey, they're not just don't like kids can take yeah. responsibility as well yeah. for this, right? Yep. There is they can play an active role. It's not uh-huh. all about what do I have to do for them. Uh-huh. How can they actively take a role in all this and take right. responsibility? And what I wrote down is recognize, so recognize the issue and take responsibility. Yeah. And again, he lists a lot of different bullets, a couple that I highlighted. Uh, number one, I highlighted, it says invest in healthy relationships. Yeah. It says social connection is a powerful buffer to stress and a source of well-being. But too often in our fast-paced lives, quality time with people gets crowded out. Make space in your life for people you love. Spend time with others regularly, in person and virtually, and find people who support and care about you 
and have open and honest conversations with them about your feelings. Yeah. Get involved in a group, act, get involved in group activities such as recreation and outdoor activities, after school programs, and mentorship programs. I love that. That paragraph right there has a lot of gold in There's it. There's so much gold in that paragraph because that's what that's what we talk about on the show all the time is you have to have people in your life. He must be listening. SG must be he listening. He must be listening to Darren Woods' sure. show. And I love that highlight. And what I wrote down out on the side is I think of youth groups at church, yeah. which is not something he listed here. But just think about even if you're not religious at all, where where do you want your kids to be hanging out? Yeah. Do you prefer they hang out in a group setting that, yeah, maybe you don't agree with what's being taught necessarily, but it's a positive environment. Everybody's there, loves each other. It's supportive adults. Name a better environment than that where your kid can go hang out. My wife, for instance, they had a youth center at their church when uh-huh. she was growing up. It's really cool, actually. They still have it. It had a bunch of arcade games. It had different, you know, TVs and video uh-huh. games. She said we would literally go over there after school and just hang out, and my parents would come pick us up three or four hours later. Yep. Just imagine an environment like that. And, yeah. again, it doesn't have to be a church. I'm not saying that. Yeah. It can be whatever it is. But just imagine that environment for kids. If I know that I've got 10 or 12 of my buddies that I'm going to get to hang out with and we're going to play games, we're just going to have a great time. I don't have time to have these depressive thoughts on, on while I'm scrolling through Instagram. Yep. Right? Yeah. It's and just I, a great environment to hang out in. And here's something, here's, here's confession time, right, is, is I think, and, and we're going to get to the parent section, but I think parents, you've got to recognize how important this is for your kids to have social interaction in person, mm-hmm. not with a screen, not with, not with a video game. I guess that would still be a screen. But what happens is our pa- parents, it's an inconvenience for us, right? We become helicopter parents. Yep. But then we also don't want, like, our kids to, like, we don't want to change our schedule to let our kids go do things. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, hey, we got school, we got sports, we got this, okay? Mm-hmm. And then anything more, you're cutting into my time. Yeah. And I'm guilty of this because it's like, eh, no, nah, we're probably not. We don't need to go to that birthday party. No, nah, I don't really want to go to that. Right. And it's like, and that is hurting our kids because they need more and more social interaction. Because you ask any employer right now that is hiring a 22 to 26 year old, they will say it is very different interviewing and the communication skills between these kids and the generation ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Because the the skills associated with communication, the skills associated with um, handling disagreements, skills associated with just actual like nonverbal communication, the emotional intelligence level is just different. Mm-hmm. It's so different because we have we have a much more limited interaction rate with mm-hmm. other people in our peers. So it's really really important. The other thing um, that is I think you know invest in healthy relationships and you mentioned youth group. I, I don't think you could have been more spot on mm-hmm. is, is if you, if you are letting your kids or and talk to just the kid, we'll, we'll get to the yeah. parents in a second. Talk yeah. to the kid. Okay. If there's a kid yeah. listening right now. Yeah. Talk to him about the importance here's, of youth. Here's, group. here's the thing guys is, is if you're, if you are, if you are anywhere associated or looking to find happiness, to find success, to find peace, why would you not connect with people that can get you closer to that? Mm-hmm. Why would you not find people that allow you or encourage you to be better, to chase those goals as well, that walk alongside you through that? Why, 
I just, I don't understand. And there's, there's a lot of times and I did it as a kid and I think kids really struggle navigating like, okay, the popular kids versus like the healthy relationships, because most of the time, the popular kids, when I was growing up, weren't necessarily the healthy relationships, right? right? They were the, they were the mean ones. They were the ones that talked about people. They were the ones that brought people down. If anybody else was, you know, successful or, or bettering themselves they made fun of them those were the popular kids for some reason i don't know why that was and why maybe my generation but align yourself with people that are doing good like you talk about youth group like if you go to youth group as a kid right you're connected you have a a purpose you're learning you're serving all of these things that contribute tremendously to your mental health and to your overall just wellness like why would you not pursue something like that yeah yeah, and the overall point is it's a group of people that are like-minded, that yeah. are connected, and that's the – so it can be – for us, it was sports. It can that, be Boy Scouts. Our, yeah, it yeah, can be Boy Scouts. It can be sports. It, it can, can be – these days, it can be a video game. Maybe it's a video game group that meets together once easy, a week. And, easy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and it's a their, real thing. I've acknowledged it, guys. It's a real thing. <laughs> Whatever it is, the point is yeah. get connected with yeah. other people, other yeah. people your age, yeah. right? If you're a kid listening to this, get connected with other people. Wherever you find that, a positive environment uh-huh. – that you can hang around in. That's right. The next one he lists, and man, I, I couldn't star, underline, highlight. I couldn't Here we do go. that enough. This is our, this is our weekly, this. Our weekly, weekly uh, reminder, reminder. Because we literally say this yeah. on 90% of our episodes. Yeah. It says, and I quote, find ways to serve. He says, volunteering in your community and helping others can be a great way to connect with people. Build a sense of purpose and develop your own sense of self-worth. Yeah. Helping others when you are the one struggling can seem counterintuitive, but service is a powerful antidote to isolation. Yeah. And it reminds us what that what we have, or sorry, and it reminds us that we have value to add to the world. That's right. How awesome is that? Dude, it's I, I mean, I cannot kids out there, I cannot say it enough is how gratifying it is how um how beneficial it is just to your overall mental state well-being health Mm -hmm. is when you can go and you can actually walk away at the end of the day and say hey listen i helped someone and i didn't i didn't want or need anything in return and i helped somebody yeah this was a huge one in my house growing up my parents uh just given the nature of what they did and so I was always on youth mission trips. I was always, we were out, you know, every Thanksgiving we were out serving or handing out food. And there were times, obviously, I didn't want to go as a kid, but I never left regretting or feeling like that was a waste of time. Yeah. Every single time, and I tell these people this all the time, you always leave, and that's not why you do it, but you always leave feeling like they actually gave you more than yeah. you provided them. That's right. And here's, and here's the thing, too, is, is when you are serving and, you are, and you're serving different areas, you know, especially in the very beginning, I would, I would highly suggest, okay, hey, one, maybe we're working with underprivileged kids, maybe kids that are my age that don't have access to the same education that I have, or people that are in financial crisis or that have been through trauma, you know, serve in different areas. But here's one of the greatest things about serving is it ignites passion. Mm-hmm. And, and I like, I was passionate about sports when I started in like a professional business career. I was like, I was, I, I got passionate at certain times, but nothing has ignited me more than learning about the injustice that's done to women and children in our country and around the world when it comes to human trafficking. Nothing gets me more fired up and excited about a purpose 
because here's the thing is I would never, I would never, there's very few people that I've talked to that would say, look, if you're a believer or whatever, I was created to be an insurance agent. I was created, nothing against an insurance agent. Recently been working with one. They've been phenomenal. <laughs> but I was created to be a chef. That is, That was what I was created to do. But you know what? I hear people all the time saying, hey, I was created to fight injustice across the world. I was created to help serve the underserved communities. I was created to be a mentor to those less fortunate. I, like that's what you hear like more and more and, and finding that purpose. It may, may not be your profession, but it definitely, it, it gives you a vision into what your purpose is. Yeah. And, and it's really hard to find that when you're selfishly, and selfishly is, is good and bad here selfishly pursuing your own ambitions. Like Darren talks about it. Be selfish, be selfish. Like I think there's a lot of great things about being selfish when you're talking about your own like self your own ambitions, but it's really hard to find purpose in that. Mm-hmm. It really is because yeah. it's because it's always moving. It's always it's always changing and then I want this and then there's this new thing and then there's this new opportunity here and there's there's it's ever changing whereas like when you go to serve it's like, okay, I know that there's this problem. And then when I, when I go to sleep and I put my head down and I, and, I met, and I likely didn't solve the problem, but guess what? I contributed to solving the problem. Like there's something really powerful about yeah. that. Yeah, I love that he highlighted serving. Uh, two more that I highlighted. Uh, take care of your body and mind. Stick to a schedule. Eat well. Stay physically active. Yeah. Get quality sleep. Stay hydrated. And spend time outside. Yeah. And then avoid, it says avoid up. This one's probably a little bit, <laughs> may, not, may not stick. And avoid substances that can ultimately make you feel tired, down, or depressed, such as alcohol, marijuana, vaping, <laughs> and tobacco. Yeah. I get it. it. You're, you're 16. It you're going to do that yeah. stuff. But let's stick to that first one. Take care of your body and mind. Eat well. Stay physically active. Get quality sleep. Dude, I did not do any of that nah. as a kid. Bro. None of that as a kid. I would eat freaking a whole, literally a whole pizza, and then I'd go to football practice right after. I could tell by your age grade. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but just think about the kids. I mean, this is something that you can do. Think about how good you feel yeah. when you're taking care of your yeah, body. It's true. And and really, like, go back and throw a dart on any of our episodes that we've done up to this point, and we'll have addressed the the importance of, you know, correlating overall wellness mentally, physically, with movement, activity, mm-hmm. and discipline. Like, yes. 100%. Like, yeah. no doubt. And I do want to and, – and I know we're, we want to run through these and make sure we're covering all this. But um, – the two, the two, well, there's, there's one more and it's be there, be a source of support for others. Um, and this kind of goes back to the serving aspect he mm-hmm. talked about, like be there when other people are having problems, uh, be the person that you're not always pouring out to other people, like be a source for other people. And that, and like I said, that falls into serving, but when you are doing that, here's the thing is when you are there and listening to somebody else and you are there supporting somebody else. What that does is, is that allows you to actually self-coach. That allows you to address it to yourself as well. That allows you to say, okay, hey, maybe I'm not alone in feeling like this. Mm-hmm. Right? It's really powerful when you are there as a, as a point of support. So I'm going to un- label that underserving. So that's really important. Like young ones out there, like it's not all about you. Be there to help other people as well. Be, be that sounding board. Be that safe place for other people to come talk to you. And then the last one that I want to, you know, I want I would like to highlight is be intentional about your social media, yeah, that's uh, video games, and other techniques. And here's what the, here's what I think the Surgeon General means. Well, is, but, but let's not skate over that 
be intentional about your social media, video games, and other technologies. Where my mind goes first when I think of the social media problem, I think of either the social media company or the parents. My mind doesn't go to the kid yeah. that actually has control right, right. over stop scrolling. Yes. So and that's it. And, and what intentional is, is social media, I don't believe is evil, right? How it's used mm-hmm. is evil. Mm-hmm. Can be, can be. Um, because what it now becomes is it now becomes an addiction, right? How often are we just scrolling with no intention whatsoever? We're just, I'm filling time, filling time, filling time. Okay, cool. Now I'm, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole and I'm going to follow this and I'm going to see things that I'm not designed to know. Uh, we as humans are not designed to know this many things about this many people that are going around, going on around the world. And then now I'm seeing this and now I'm starting to feel bad about myself because this person looks that way or this person is saying something negative about this and is giving either bad information to me or is pissing me off, is starting conflict. When you get lost in social media and you're not intentional about the time, it's very, very dangerous. So kids, when you're on, look, there's nothing wrong like, hey, I'm going to hop on and I'm going to, I'm going to share something encouraging. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to hop on and I'm going to connect with somebody. And I have, I have a, a, a distinct mission when I go on is I'm going to go and I'm going to you know, send this person a message because I need to connect with them or I need to relay some information. Awesome. Or, hey, I need to go figure out who this person is. Whatever. Great. But if you are intentional about your use and you're on and you're off and you're not just getting lost for long periods of time, <laughs> it's not, it's not yeah. that bad. But what it does is it takes hold of our minds. It twists what our perspective of reality is because we're living in that world more than we're living in the outside world. Mm -hmm. And we're getting perspectives that are not true, that are filtered, that are made up, that are, um, I mean that, that are just like totally just like reality TV, right? Mm -hmm. It's not real. There's a, there's writers. Yeah. Like that's what people do now. We talk to, I mean, we talk to people all the time is you've, in in order to be successful, you've got to create content. You've got to create things that people enjoy watching. It's not real. Right. Yeah. And it's easy to say, be intentional about the time you spend on social media. I'm trying to put myself back as a 15 year old kid. And by the way, we'll talk about this next time. These social media companies are literally designing these algorithms and everything about it is designed to get you to spend more time on it. So think about if I'm a 15 year old kid, maybe I'm popular, maybe I'm not out in real life, Yeah. but I post a picture, Uh that little like button, that thumbs up button. What does that do? That literally releases those good endorphins in my brain whenever I see those likes. So what am I doing? I'm going to keep checking back to see if any, who else is like, and and not only how many people like my photo, but who liked my photo, right? Did that girl that I like, like my photo, did that boy I'm after that, did he like my photo, right? These are the things that are going on as a 15 year old kid that keep you addicted because it does make you feel good. You can forget about everything else for a little bit and just be the other part about it is think about if you're a 15 year old girl and you're comparing yourself to a 22 year old model on Instagram, right? You're swiping through, right? And you're going and you're now you're comparing yourself Now we're full I'm circle not as on skinny. this conversation. I'm right? not as pretty. I don't have this or that. And all the filters, by the way, yeah. right? There's yeah. so many filters that some of these people don't even look like themselves at all by yeah. the time they're done doctoring. We sound like photos. old dudes, by the way. Just, we really just, do. <laughs> just so but, you know. but my point in saying yeah, this. These yeah. that make you look that yeah. make you look prettier. But my point is, is I get it. Like, yeah, be intentional. Yeah. But, but what I wrote down as a caveat or, or as, a, as a summation of this entire section and this is what I hope that I can pass on to my boys is find a purpose 
and a mission and take responsibility of yourself. Quit waiting for a parent to tell you what to do. You take care of yourself. You find responsibility. You find a purpose. And and, and don't leave it up to anybody else. This is your responsibility to take care of your mental health. That's right. Right? Yeah. And then lastly, probably something we're a little more qualified to talk about since we are parents, uh-huh. and this is the life that we're living right now, and we're trying to raise kids through this process, is what can parents and caregivers do about all this? And again, I wrote down the same thing as I wrote down, recognize and take responsibility. Yeah. That's the main thing. And then obviously he wrote down uh, a, a few things. Number one, he says, be the best role model you can be for young people by taking care of your own mental yeah. Physical health. Starts with yourself. We, we can just stop right yeah, there. We can just it. end it all right there. Boom. You be the role model because that you're trying to. You do that, all these other points below it, that they, they fall into place. Right? Yep. And if you're not taking care of yourself, if, if you're sacrificing your own overall wellness, physically and mentally, for chasing uh, some sort of goal, some sort of revenue number, some sort of um, accolade, whatever it may be, if you're sacrificing all those things, Man, first of all, that, that goal is going to get further and further away. But second of all, if you're not mentally healthy, then you're not, you're not going to contribute at all to your family in, yeah. a, way, in, in a way that I think that if, if you were to look back 50 years from now, that you would have liked to have seen yourself yeah. do. Yeah, and this one's convicting to me personally because I do think about, am I being the best role model? Yes, I'm living and, and doing things that I feel like are, are a good example but when I think about the stresses of daily life and trying to get ahead at work mm-hmm. and what am I really doing for myself to make sure that my mental and physical health are being taken care of. Uh-huh. And I try to do those things by working out and do, you know, and reading and, but that was a big convicting one for me is playing the best role model. Because again, that's the best way you can tell people all day long, but how are you actually living? That's what, right. are, what, are, what, you know, your mouth's moving, but what are, what are your actions doing? Mm. Uh, number two, he wrote, help children and youth develop strong and safe, stable relationships with you and other supportive adults. Mm-hmm. Research shows that the most important thing a child needs to be resilient is a stable and committed relationship with a supportive so, adult. Excuse me. I'm super passionate about this one um, because you talked about our, our, our kids, their minds are still being molded. You know, mine 10 to 5, yours 5 and 2. Um, and, and, it's really important because here's how they learn. They learn by what they see. They're not retaining all the information that, that you know, maybe a 12, 15-year-old would. Um, they're learning by what they see. So what I, what I think about is I think about what my daughters see on how their dad treats their mom. I think, boys, what you're seeing, dad, how he mm-hmm. treats mom, how he respects mom, how he loves mom, how he serves mom. Those things are really important. Whether I do or don't, right? They're seeing it and they're learning. That is their expectation. We, they spend more time if with those in their house, right, than any other one person, right, over their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and again, and so being focused as a parent on, and this is, this, is, this is really important too, is as a parent, a lot of times the kids come first. And that's backwards. Yes, to serve your kids best, they can't be number one. To serve your kids best, you need to have, and, and this is my life, is they've got to see my relationship with God, number one. That's most important, like non-negotiable. Two is my relationship with my wife. 
That is number two. We talk with our kids. It's dark and it like the kids cry sometimes and it's kind of awkward. And it's like, you're going to, people are like, you're terrible. But if it came to it and all of my kids were hanging off the edge of a cliff and my wife was hanging on with them, I would save my wife before I save my kids. Hmm. They need to know that. I would not save my kids before I save my wife. Interesting. That is, that is my number one. Okay. Now I'll go and I'll do everything that I can to save you. But you need to know that we come first and that is most important because if our relationship is not healthy, then how can we, how can we love you and how can you see an example of what love is if we're not doing it in sync? So really focus on, on your relationship with your spouse because and look, and I know that there's single single parents out there listening. I know that there's there's things that that divide, uh, you know, spouses and households. And, and I'm not saying look, it it it's, I get it, okay. And there's reasons that. But if you are in a in a household with two parents, okay, focus on that because the kids are going to see the example of that. You know, from a single parent household, there, there there's two ways they can go. Is they can say, I'm going to be as far from that as I can be, or I'm going to be the same. Mm-hmm. If I see a dad that's a womanizer, that's out, that doesn't treat the mom, uh, you know, the mom in the house well, they're going to either say, that's acceptable, or no way. Mm-hmm. But do you want it to be 50-50? Do you either want a piece of crap boy that doesn't respect women and doesn't serve women, or do you want someone that loves and respects women? Mm-hmm. I to me, I'm trying to I'm trying to hedge my odds there. Yeah. Because it, the kids have to know that they're because also too, it's good for the kids because they know that they're not the center of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing for them to know. Absolutely. It's hard enough for me to figure that out sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But it's good for them to know that, hey, if it comes down to it, daddy's picking mom. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's kind of a crazy scenario. If everybody's hanging off a cliff, you're saving your wife first. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I bet she wouldn't like I that. Tell, I tell Luca all the time, I'll make another Luca. I got no problem. You're replaceable. Your mom I can't replace. Yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, another one that he highlights. Talk about mental health. Kids. <laughs> another one that he highlights, and, and I want to be extremely mindful of this point, um, just because I know that the different trails that this can go mm-hmm. down, but it says, look out for warning signs of distress and seek help when needed. And what I wrote down in the margins is how many times do you hear in a scenario like this, how many times do you hear we had no idea? We didn't, we had no idea he was struggling. We had no idea that these thoughts were going through his head. So, you know, a parent's kid commits suicide. The first thing they say is we, everything seemed normal, mm-hmm. right? And again, I want to be very sensitive with that point. But my point is, that, that that's convicting for me is to be more attentive. To yeah. Me. But here's, here's where we don't have to be sensitive about it is, is you can't notice those signs if you don't know your kid. And that's my point. If you're not, if you're not talking to your kids other than logistics, get up, get ready for school, pack your things. Do you have this? Okay, cool. We've got sports. We've got this. We've got that. Get home. Okay. Eat dinner. Okay. You can watch a little TV. Okay. Now it's time for bed. Brush your teeth. Do this. Go to bed. Like so many of us, and I'm guilty of this quite a bit, is it's like we are, we are a quarterback and we're just directing people Mm -hmm. where to go. Mm -hmm. 
And if you don't, and my wife is amazing at this, she'll just literally sit down and just have very deep conversations with our kids. And, and that's, and you can't see the subtle differences. You can't see those signs unless you truly know your kid. Right. Oh, I know him. I'm with him all the time. But do you? Yeah. I'm not with my kids all the time. No. At all. And that's what I was going to say. But that's, but that's what yeah. we say. I mean, I'm with him every day. I'm yeah. with him every night. Like, but do you really truly know your kid? Yeah. And, and that's awesome that Tiffany does that, that she's intentional. That's yeah. the word that I think of when I think of that. She is intentional. Yeah. It's not the most comfortable conversation, I'm sure. Bro, it's, it's not the first thing she sometimes. wants to do in I her day. Know. I think I'm, she likes it. Maybe but she does. For, but, most, for yeah. most people, for, I for, agree. I, I'm thinking about myself. I'm the most selfish person yeah. that you'll ever meet. Uh-huh. And so what I'm always constantly thinking about is what's best for me. How do I want to spend my time? Uh-huh. And I'll come home some days where I have see, you know, I'll see my kids an hour a day, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Right? So if I continue that as they go along and as they continue to grow and get older and start to face some of these challenges uh-huh. and I'm still working all the time, uh-huh. I could very well easily see myself being one of those parents that I didn't even see it coming. Yeah. I had no idea. Be- well, of course I didn't see it coming because I didn't spend any time and put any time yeah. to my kids. Yeah. Right. I spent all my life chasing my pursuits and chasing my goals and my Uh dreams. I forgot about my kids. And so that is a huge point for me looking out for these signs. And the only way you can do that to your point is by knowing your children, truly knowing your kids, truly investing in them, truly spending time into their day. I get it. Some days you just have to work. That's just everybody has to make a living. I get it. And some days you're not going to be able to see them very much, but maybe weekends now. You take your weekends and and, they're, and you're sold out for your kids on the weekends because it, that is the point of this whole conversation. Our kids are our future, yeah. right? As cheesy as that sounds, these are the these are the future leaders that are going to be coming up and leading our our society. Uh-huh. We have to do a good job individually as parents of leading our kids yeah. well. And I think one thing that he does not address, parents, that I hope I hope you hear when when we when we say this is is it's okay too to be vulnerable to your kids. They need to see that it's okay that mom and dad are not always okay. It's okay. I, that is healthy for your kids to see. It is healthy for your kids when parents admit I did something wrong and apologize to your kids. Sometimes it's really hard for us as parents to let go of our egos and say, hey, you know, little Johnny, I'm really sorry. Daddy shouldn't have raised his voice. He shouldn't have said those things. He, I, I am very sorry. I'm going to work very hard at that. Or, hey, you know, daddy's just not doing really well right now. Uh, I need you to, I need you to you know, think about daddy. I need you to pray for daddy. I need you to, you know, I need your help. Like when you, when you are then vulnerable with kids and you expose them, now if there are issues, then they'll reciprocate that. They'll, they'll feel comfortable. But when they just see dad as Superman and nothing's ever wrong with him and he's always good, then they're going to think, oh, I got to be like daddy. I got to be big and strong. And I, and I, and I can't ever be weak. Mm-hmm. That's when you repress things. And that's when you, these things come out like, oh, I never saw it coming. Yeah. So they didn't talk about it because they didn't know it's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we could go on for hours about this. This is something that's obviously... We're going to. We're only halfway through, so just, yeah, hang on. I'm just yeah. kidding. Actually, we are only halfway through. We'll pick up next time, yeah. next week, and we'll talk a little bit more about what social media's role in all this, what yeah. mainstream media is all this, uh, their role is in all this, and how they can take uh, responsibility. Um, 
But I think hopefully what today's conversation, hopefully it sparks some thoughts and, and some ideas inside of you. If nothing else, hopefully it gets into the top of your mind that this is an issue and, and, and hopefully you're addressing these things in your own family and with the kids that you do know. Because again, the kids are the ones that are going to be our future leaders. They're going to be ones that are going to be doing big things in society one day. And we need to make sure we're doing everything we can to set them up to, to be able to do those things and yeah. to be able to be great leaders That's one right. day. It's just passing those those good lessons down from generation to generation. That's so right. we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, have a great rest of the week, and we will see you uh, next Wednesday. Yeah, buddy. Thursday, whatever. Christmas week. All right, take care.